Welcome to Cardboard Philosophy, the board game podcast where we talk about nothing serious, seriously. Each episode, we randomly pick from a list of niche, deep board game topics and have at it. So we invite you to join us at the table, listen in on our conversations, and let us know what you think. Welcome back to Cardboard Philosophy. This is episode 21, meaning we've cracked 20 onto 21. Exciting stuff. I'm Steven, here with Robert and Evan, as usual. Let's see what we're talking about, guys. We got a 30, which is the perception of luck, and that is one of mine. So basically, this is what I was getting at with this one is kind of how luck is seen in games. I think there's a certain, like some people view, like as soon as there's any luck in a game, then it's not all strategy, it's not all them, and it it's feels to me like sometimes the perception is it's like not as superior, like a game can't be as like... I don't know, thinky or real or something mm-hmm. um, if you throw some chance in there. So at what point does a game become like too lucky? Is is there anything to this idea that like a truly zero luck game isn't somehow like the, the thinking person's game or something? Oh, like tic-tac-toe? Or... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well known as the thinking person's game. Uh, That's the only game rated a 10 on BGG, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a great a great start um so yeah that's that's what i wanted to talk about i i definitely think there's an anti-luck trend i think a lot of older games tend to be a bit luckier and i think modern games uh try to not be and i think it it kind of calls back to the episode we did on the necessity to win and winning being the Mm -hmm. most important part of a game when Mm -hmm. there's luck you have something to blame if somebody else wins whereas if there isn't it I think, yeah, it kind of feels like, oh, that person was the smartest and that's why they won. Mm-hmm. Um, but personally, I'm a huge fan of luck. I think luck is wonderful. And I think that definitely this idea that um, games without luck are somehow harder or more strategic is just wrong because playing around luck means you understand probabilities. And that's not yeah. dumb. You have to have some intelligence to get that. And there's definitely ways to be strategic with luck. But of course, like anything, it's an ingredient and you could push it too far or not have enough depending on the game. But just, you know, point blank, is luck bad? Absolutely not. But I, I agree that there is some perception of it as though it's bad. Mm-hmm. I, I definitely agree that there's also a perception that it's bad. I don't know if I agree that games have gotten less lucky, though, compared to old games. I think the way that luck is used has gotten worse. Um, because if you look at a lot of the popular <laughs> games like um, Wingspan, Terraforming Mars, Arc Nova, like those are all very big games from the last five years. I would argue those are very lucky games inherently because it's so deck based. Like you are drawing off of this big deck. It's this huge stack of cards. You don't really know what you're going to get. It's like a lot of mystery meat in those games. And yet a lot of those are seen as being very like heavy gamery games or not necessarily heavy games, but good games or games that people are excited about playing and talking about. Now that is more of like a tableau building thing, but I think the way that luck is used in those games is very different from it is in something like, you know, raw or ding. Yeah. I'm trying to think of a non Knizia example because he has so much luck (laughs) in his games. Uh, Something like a raw or a El Grande where luck is in the design by 
default, it doesn't feel like the game hinges on it as much. I feel like the those games, Wingspan, Terraforming Mars, I think they are a little obsessed with mitigation, though. I feel like there's so much card draw opportunity. It's about like, yeah, there's this huge deck, but you're just drawing a ton of cards, discarding a ton of cards. Mm-hmm. And so it, I mean, at least when I play those kinds of games, I do feel like they're a bit of a wash because um, I just get so much draw. And I think that's a general trend, too. It's like we have luck, but it's all about mitigation yeah. now. Like mitigation is such a hot topic. I hate mitigation. It's the worst. That's my hot take. Um, because mitigating luck just makes luck less fun. It's like the fun of luck is that it's swingy. If you can just mitigate it to turn it into a situation like as though there were no luck, why even have like luck? It's like yeah. pretending yeah. like there's luck, but there's none. You can mitigate it all. I don't know. It's it's a very strange thing to me. I'm pretty sure I've said this before, but I really like having some luck in a game, if only because it gives you a chance to do better than maybe you even think you can or something, or you can just sort of like fall into getting some points or something. Or I I just feel like it, it it lowers that barrier a little bit or just makes it a little bit more. um, I I guess it's kind of like what you said earlier about like, if you lose, you can kind of blame it on the game. Like there's something about luck that sort of softens it all up and it's not, all about like my intelligence versus your intelligence it's like there can definitely be some into who can guess the probability better or something but i don't know it's just kind of fun that sometimes it can just you can just get all four mermaids and you win (laughs) like zero strategy required and that's i don't know there is something kind of fun about that i also really don't like that it's juxtaposed with strategy like i don't think that's Mm -hmm. the spectrum lucky to strategic i don't think that's how that works i think they're they're different like they're on different axes yeah. they're not the same because you can be strategic with luck i mean that's what stock trading is in the real world where <laughs> there is a little bit of luck involved with that obviously you can make market forecasts and guesses based on like historical trends and where a company's going kind of what's happening in the real world but at the end of the day there is a little bit of luck involved in that it's not necessarily to say that you can't have strategy with that though because there still is a lot that goes into it well, I mean, there's luck in anything, right? I mean, like, like just who gets picked for something. Like, you know, you, you're the one that somebody bumped into on the street or something. Like, I mean, not always. Obviously, there's connections and blah, 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 blah. But I just, to me, there is an inherent amount of just chaos and luck in life. So to try to create these, like, gamey situations where we can control, like, 100% of every little thing is, like, cool that's a cool exercise like i guess if you want a place to compete your brains like in a you know strategy game cool that can exist but yeah i often find it kind of like sort of sterile or something or it just seems to me it's more interesting when there's some chaos in the mix is the move away from luck people confusing options for variety because to me luck provides a tremendous amount of variety to a gaming experience where right you know you can have these huge swings of Mm. fortune but it seems that a lot of the modern trend is towards like hey we could give you 10 objective cards that you cycle through in a game or we could give you a hundred objective cards and that's going to give you more variety instead of saying, well, no, you have 10, but all the variety is going to come from what happens in the pursuit of those 10 objective cards. Yeah, I think you're hinting at a feeling that I've had for a while, which is that if you don't have luck in a game, you need to substitute something else to provide replayability. Mm-hmm. And the modern approach is like complexity or just like sheer variety of stuff. 
just like pump the box with more stuff, add more rules because it has to be like, since there's no luck, it's technically solvable, right? Tic-tac-toe is just such a simple game that you solve it when you're 12 years old. But like chess is not easy to solve because there's, there's so much complexity. Mm-hmm. And so if you, need your, if you want your game to like last a long time and it's not lucky, it needs to have, I think, a lot of complexity. Or pseudo luck in the form of interaction, right? Because interaction can also feel like the other players are kind of like randomizers for you. So yeah, I think you're right, Evan, that it's, it's like the substitute for luck is just like more stuff um, to make the games not solvable. The, the move away from the more interactive kind of take that sometimes as a way to sort of maybe like soften the experience or have, it, have the feel bad moments be less mm-hmm. so um, mm-hmm. that like luck can sometimes you can mm-hmm. just have really bad luck, you yeah. know? And so I, I don't know if maybe the modern move to try to give you mitigation or ways around mm-hmm. that is so that you never just get turn after turn because i think yeah i think we've all been there we've all had a friend where they just keep getting busts and it just you know and you feel bad and so i can see where a designer would be like all right i'm gonna i'm gonna fix that <laughs> but then sometimes that takes away the, the stakes you know the yeah the it's a very fine line that's yeah. for sure yeah yeah you can mitigate it to a point of just like null like nothing matters anymore <laughs> it's like it's like you dig a hole and then you put the thing in it and then it's just back to normal or something i don't know yeah <laughs> Well, a really good example of that that I've been finding. So I've been playing a lot of Heat Pedal to the Metal on Board Game Arena. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of luck mitigation in that game to the point where it almost feels like your input will maybe influence the end decision. <laughs> but even with the comeback mechanics in there and the luck mitigation for the card draw and all that stuff, it can feel very flat at times where it just feels like, am I just playing cards and no matter what I do, I'm going to wind up more or less in the same spot? Yeah, that's why it's a fine line. I think the um, the motivation's a good one. Like everybody or many people grew up playing Monopoly and hating it because it's just you roll bad and then your game sucks. You roll good and your game's great. And that's not fun. So I think there's mm-hmm. definitely a, a modern push to just not have that. So if there is luck, mm-hmm. then there should be some kind of trade-off. Like, oh, you got unlucky, but you get a chip. And so next time you can re-roll your dice because you got this chip when you busted or whatever. There's tons mm-hmm. of stuff like that. But yeah, if you push it too far, it feels like heat which is that no matter what I do, I'll end up around the same spot. I definitely think in Heat specifically, your choices matter, but they matter way mm-hmm. less than you think you do from the get-go. Like maybe your choices will push you like plus or minus two spaces away from where you'd have been on the finish line, which is like really, really small outcome for how much, like you spend an hour playing that game at this point, right? And it's like, yeah, with the catch-up and with, with the amount of mitigation, I agree that, nah. Like that to me is an example of it being pushed too far. Okay. Evan was saying that he thinks there's not less luck, it's just worse luck. But I'm thinking back to like what was hot back in the day. Like Tigris and Euphrates was number one on BGG for a bit. Dang. There's so much luck in that yeah. game. Mm-hmm. Like some people hate it because of the amount of luck in that game. And then I think Twilight Struggle was number one for a while. That's also a very lucky game. They're just drawing yeah. from a deck of cards. What's number one now? Oh, Brass Birmingham. Okay, that game is not lucky, for instance. Like, yes, you, you get a hand of cards, but there's like seven actions you can take, and only one of them cares about what your actual card that you play is, right? So it's like hyper-mitigated, and that's what's popular now. So that worked out to be a great example. <laughs> and that's an example of a game that, to my knowledge, I haven't played either version of Brass. Uh, I've read both rule books though. Whoa. It kind of took a lot of the luck 
out of Lancashire. Mm-hmm. I think it took away a lot of the um, like pseudo luck from interaction. Like it, it's harder to get yeah. stuck in Birmingham, and uh, yeah, it definitely it definitely smoothened it out. There's just more options, so other players can't have as big of a fe- of an effect on you as they can in Lancashire. You you were kind of asking about like what was the big hot one or for uh, for some reason I I just thought of like Catan right like that's the big oh, yeah. big one obviously back mm. especially years ago everybody you know it just a lot of people got into the hobby through that and like that one yeah. is very lucky everybody Super. rolls dice and just rolling 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 and then the fix for it is just you can trade <laughs> you know like <laughs> and and to, I've always sort of felt like that's on the one hand it's super smart and it just adds like there now you have your interaction now you're wheeling and dealing and blah but then at the same time it feels a little bit like a band-aid where it's like oh it's super lucky so all right whoever stockpiles the things can now trade it to the other people and then they're you know i don't know it um that's very chicken versus egg because in my opinion the trading came first and if you have a trading game you need a reason to make people trade and so the solution like or like the the impetus for trading is that your resources are random so you don't get what you want So in, like in my in my mind, he did the trading and then the die rolling, as opposed to in your mind, the die rolling came first and the trading was a fix for it. I, I don't know which one's true, but yeah, no, that's a great point. I mean, I and not to say that it's a fix. I've seen it in other games too, and yeah. I think maybe it feels that way there too, or I've had it at times. It's felt that way, but that to me is just like the classic example of like just random distribution of stuff. I, I've heard people describe auctions as being a very lazy game mechanic because of that. It's like, okay, you're going to get a bunch of this random stuff, which you can sell to buy other stuff. And that's going to equalize the playing field a little bit more, which is, I think, a little bit reductive of what auctions are in games quite often. But I thought that was an interesting criticism of auctions that they're a Band-Aid, not an actual mechanic. Catan's also an interesting example, because I think Catan is too lucky. And I've been sitting here defending luck this whole time. But I, I, think, <laughs> I think context really matters, because Catan's a fairly long game. And for some reason in my head, it presents itself as very, like, thinky. Like, as though where you place matters. And you're like, oh, should I place, you know, on the 7? Or, or not, there's no 7s. On the 8 or the 11? And, you know, it makes more sense to place on the 8, because the 11 gets rolled less often. But there's not enough rolls for that to, like, really shake out. And so somebody who plays on an 11 could just get a bunch of resources. And that just feels yeah. really out of place to me. Yeah, it's not like luck is always good or always bad. It's really about like the flavor of luck and if it fits the context. So it's hard to, to talk in these generalities like we are. Like, oh, luck is always good. But it's not true. I think Catan could have used a little bit less luck. I think it also depends on the length of the game, how much yeah. luck is in the game. If you have mm-hmm. a two-hour long game that is essentially oh, yeah. all luck... I think you have to really have done some amazing design work to pull that off. Because to me, it's like, hey, this is probably going to start to burn out after the first hour. Like (laughs) Raw, one of my favorite games, is incredibly lucky. And I'm totally happy to sit there and play that for 45 minutes to an hour. If that game was two hours long, I don't think I would love it as much as I do. (laughs) Yeah, I remember Oath. I haven't played it. Yeah. I just remember that being kind of a criticism was there's the, the die roll or something at the end. Yeah. And, and people kind of felt like, oh, you spend, you know, over an hour or however long playing and then it kind of just comes down to this D6 roll, <laughs> um, which, you know, I I, th- I I know I've heard people defend and, you know, it adds the flavor and drama and all of that. The more time that gets put into it definitely changes how that's going to feel. That's a good example. But I also think the framing of that die roll wasn't done 
right. Mm. And I'm not necessarily defending the mechanic, but a lot of people go into that thinking, oh, this is a six round game that could end after round four because of the die roll. Right. When really you should be going into the game saying this is a four round game that could go longer because of the die roll. Like it sounds like I'm just changing words, which is exactly what I'm doing. No, but no, there no. is you're, something you're different about the psychology. Right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 That makes sense. Um, yeah, you just got to be in the mood for it. But if you are, great. And I think the luck used in that game works because, to Robert's point, it helps build the story. It's not something right. that you can really go into a game of Oath and expect, oh, this is exactly the strategy I'm going to employ. I'm going to try to go for like a military dominance victory this game. You might just get cards that lead you down a totally different path and, you know, Steve starts doing something and I go, okay, well now I'm going to totally pivot in this direction. And that's what makes it feel like such a, a live experience. And like you are watching the rise and fall of kingdoms is the players are interacting with the luck and changing the game state and changing the game flow as a result of it. Yeah. I think that's what I mean. Like it, there is something fun to that excitement of, oh, it could end right now. It could keep going. Like, it's not a fixed, you know, I for sure can see it coming, you know. And again, that's something, like I say, I think it is fun when a game has that, like, kind of organic. It's not all rigid and strict, and it's not a for sure going to be three rounds or four rounds or ten or whatever. You know, like, it's it's an unknown variable. It could come at any time, you know, or any time within a certain range that at least is reasonable. So, yeah, it sounds fun. I think it's just... Again, it's all about that context and the framing or the perception or the expectations too. Like all this is making me think that luck makes it harder to plan. And also mm-hmm. people sure. tend to use strategic or strategy to do with long term planning. So maybe that's why it's like, oh, if it's lucky, then it's not strategic. Because if it's lucky you can't mm. plan. If you can't plan, there's no strategy. It's all tactics. Yeah. Which seems to be like a very popular distinction between those two long versus short term. And I'm kind of coming around to that. Maybe maybe they aren't as like orthogonal or as as unrelated as I thought. Maybe there is some dependency. But I still I still don't think I'd put them on the same spectrum. I'm trying to think of like long lucky games, like Zia. Have you guys played Zia or Zaya Legends of a Drift uh, System? No, that's like a two hour game, and it's all die rolls. <laughs> like it's nothing but die rolls, and it's a great time. Yeah. Cosmic Encounter. Cosmic. Cosmic. Yeah. I've mentioned Thunder Road, the new Thunder Road Vendetta mm-hmm. game. That one, I mean, it can be pretty fast, but it also can be like I, I think I played a game with some friends and I mean we it was probably almost two hours or something. I mean, it it was a learning game. Everybody but me was new. Um and we had a blast. I mean, we were having a great old time. It was just, you know, yeah. we just took our time and we we're just having a time telling yeah. stories and laughing about stuff and, you know, putting the music on and um Sometimes they just they, it it goes long, but you're having fun. But that was one where it could have ended so much sooner if we had done things differently, or if die rolls had gone differently. And I mean, it's a very swingy, lucky game, but it can it can definitely crack an hour like without too much effort. That's almost like one of those not quite uh, blood on the clock tower kind of games, but you almost need a player that is just going to be an agent of chaos <laughs> because it feels like. That game wants everyone to do the least optimal thing, but the most ridiculous thing at all times, because that's where it's going to be the most funny. Yeah, it definitely expects you to be attacking each other and just yeah. going for it. Anyway, we're off topic. I, I don't know if we're off topic, <laughs> though, because I'm just thinking that this is almost coming down to the beer and pretzel game. Like, 
I would say Thunder Road is definitely that kind of game where you're just sitting around eating some snacks with some friends, having a good time, versus something like, you know, a big serious Lacerda game where you're probably you you could still be eating snacks, but it's not going to be nearly the same atmosphere. But the expectations going into that game are different. Yeah. Yes. Like if you had those same Lacerda fans sit down to play Thunder Road, <laughs> they're probably going to have a bad time because it's like it's all luck. There's there's like we right. keep trying to put strategy on this and the game's just boring. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking the same thing that it's about expectations. I, so I don't think it's like um, people who love Lacerda's couldn't love Thunder Road. I think it's if you yes. go into Thunder Road thinking it's the next Lacerda game, you're going to have a bad time. Yeah, and yeah, so yeah, it's yeah. it's both like on the game to communicate <laughs> to the player what the game is, which is I think my problem with Catan's luck is that it communicates to me that it's um, a more serious, let's say, game than it is. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas like Thunder Road is just obviously screaming like I'm an idiot to you, right? <laughs> like that's all it is. And so you understand going in that it's just it's just about being an idiot. So yeah. I, I think it's but also the player can come in with like an unfair expectation. Like if you if you have this belief that all games should be about testing intelligence and you only play heavy euros, then like yeah, you're gonna go into non-heavy euros hating it. So I think I think it's it's both ways in terms of the expectations. And maybe that's why there's this bad perception of luck because people are coming in with an expectation that games are somehow about smartness or intelligence or I don't know, or like they're supposed to be serious and thinky and crunchy. Like maybe yeah. that's just like the expectation now. And it wasn't 20 years ago. 20 years ago was maybe more fun time with the family. Mm-hmm. But now it's about like brain power. Hmm. I think that's onto hmm. something because like even before 20 years ago, like if we go back to like the birth of hobbyist gaming beyond like the Parker Brothers trouble and which is an incredibly lucky game. Like it's literally just rolling <laughs> well, a die. Yeah. You have a lot more serious game. Like there's still luck in there, but like dune was one of the big first games that kind of came out back in the 70s and there is luck in dune but it's also a five-hour experience that is going to be a little bit more on the serious side as far as going into that you're expecting more of a marathon than a sprint like a a trouble or Candyland. i mean acquire also i think it's from the 60s yeah it's still i mean it just got a reprint so yeah maybe sometime around the 60s i'm gonna say that also you know obviously we're living in the age of the the internet there's been just this explosion of the number of games being made it feels like the the feedback loop has just increased so exponentially you know what i mean like it used to be a game would get put out and then you know it probably would be a while before you would even hear what people thought of it or something you know um but but i feel like now it's just like the game's not even delivered and there's already expansions or there's already you know like it just feels like it's it's already like the next thing is coming um so I, I don't know, I guess all that to say that I feel like people's expectations, I, I, I think have definitely maybe evolved or shifted or yeah, like, I mean, we've always had the thinky games that are like, you know, like your chess and go and those games that are about competing and head to head intelligence or whatever. Um, but even those games can be played casually. You know? yeah. um, the modern board game kind of has maybe shifted from fun time with the family where we're you know you want mom and dad to be able to play with little bro and you know sis that are nine and ten so everybody just needs to be able to roll dice and the little kids need a chance at winning and so luck was important and maybe now 
the games we're talking about are largely geared at us adults, hobby gamers, <laughs> you know, that like we don't need dice to include the kids anymore. <laughs> I also think the trend toward more solitary experiences. So like we've talked yeah. before how a lot mm-hmm. of the popular games are more solitaire. Those are more strategic. And the more luck you add into a system like that, the more reliance you have on the players. And that adds a lot of fragility to the system. I'm thinking of something like John Company. Uh, which is another Cole Worley game, same guy who did Oath. Both of those games have luck in really weird places, which kind of destabilize the whole experience. And so it relies a lot more on the players and the way the players are interacting with each other to support the game. And if you're coming at this from a more solitaire, I want to just kind of play in my sandbox Mm -hmm, side, mm -hmm. that can make the luck feel bad because it's just kind of eroding the foundations of the game that you're engaged in. Yeah, and also, luck is fun to watch. And if the game is solitaire, luck yeah. is less exciting. Like, if you're sitting alone and busting on die rolls, that doesn't feel good. It's not funny. But if you're in a room <laughs> with a bunch of other people and they're laughing at you for busting, then it's funny. The same thing is like if yeah. you get like a great die roll, but everybody's like so obsessed with their own little board, nobody realizes you got a great die roll, it doesn't feel as good. You have to be like, guys, look what I did. And they're like, no, no, I'm busy solving my stupid puzzle. That was too much personal opinion. My puzzle. Great edit. (laughs) You know, so like just the, the, the lack of interaction and the lack of paying attention to other people means that luck, I think, just becomes less exciting. So that might be another reason why we've shifted away from luck. So we're going to do our favorite uses of luck in a game. First one I think of is high society. Ding. I thought of this earlier when we were talking about like kind of the variable game ending and the yeah. way that just that that last card, not knowing exactly when it's going to come mm-hmm. up, not knowing the order of things, that part of the game is very lucky. But then you have the control of how you're going to bid and how you're going to bid against the other players and and how you're all interacting and dealing with that very lucky order of cards. So I think that's yeah. a very, very good use. It harnesses it in a very clean way. Um, the other one that I would like to shout out is for Northwood, the solo trick taking game. Um, this just scratches this great spot for me specifically because I think maybe not specifically, there's a lot of reasons why, but like the use of luck is a big reason why, because it very much feels like a solitaire game where you're just kind of flipping over a card and then playing a card against it. Or, you know, like it's just sort of the order that things come up in. And there's like these different abilities you get that try to mitigate it and you try to play the odds and you try to win at least enough. And you do have some wiggle room where you can lose a couple times, Mm -hmm. but like it just gives it that, Oh, I want to try it one more time kind of feel that I think Mm -hmm. a good solitaire puzzle that I want it to have where it's like, I can lose and I can be like, ah, eh, it it was the, it was the order of the deck. Surely, you know, like, but then whenever I learn a little trick of how to like, Ooh, when I do it in this order, I can control that. Oh, okay. I'm understanding how to mitigate it more. I feel smart. But then whenever I lose, it's like, eh, bad draw, whatever. And you know, it just, and it, or it feels like, oh, if maybe if I just do it again, it'll just, I'll just get lucky next time and it'll just work. Even if I don't learn a lesson or do anything different, it'll just work next time. And so it gives it that appeal. And, 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 and I just think it again. It harnesses it well. It's a good. It's, um, it the game couldn't work without it, really. So, yeah. I'm really glad you used a trick taker because I was also going to do the same thing. So you oh. stole high society from me. Huh. So dang. Ha <laughs> Um, that game uses luck so well that I forget how lucky it actually is. But anyway, um, exactly. I'm going to say the crew mission deep sea. Okay. Um. 
because I think the like the randomness of the cards and the fact you can't talk about it and you're working together Robert is gonna like veto this so hard I <laughs> can already see a it face. face he's making a face <laughs> what is your objection to a trick taker being lucky it, my objection is to the crew the, I don't like the luck in the crew actually I think it's the weakest part you can you can like be dealt objectives and hands that just are impossible to work like I've had those situations where it's like oh like after the fact we realize like it was practically impossible for this to work yeah that yeah that's true okay <laughs> well it's scrap about, the whole no, 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 thing. take it off my list this is why we have two up no i i agree i i mean we've house ruled and i guess it is a house rule because i don't think it's actually in the rule book that like if you right off the hop get delta hand you go hey guys this is physically impossible for me to do we'll just give you another objective card um but i think like mitigating the luck in that game without being able to talk about it is a lot of fun no i agree uh and then my runner-up is a little Japanese card game called Nana, hmm. which is basically Go Fish, but it adds a memory element that just is fun. Like, it, it's such a dumb game. There's a mechanic where if a player ever gets all three sevens, they just mm -hmm. auto win the game. And so there's this constant tension as soon as you see one seven, is like, oh crap, we know where one seven is. Where are the other sevens? And it doesn't overstay its welcome. A round of Nana, or um, I think it's Trio. called Trio yeah. in North America. Yeah, It's like 10 minutes. And you just play a couple rounds, then you play another game of something else, and then you can come back to Nana. You just you, <laughs> you can play it with two decks of cards. You don't even need to buy the fancy version. It's, it's fun. It's creative. I really like Nana. My pick is Medici, which oh, is probably for similar dang. reasons to High Society. Oh, not quite. But Kinesia yep. is definitely just like ridiculously good at making auctioning for random stuff so fun. Like Medici does yeah. it. Yeah. Ra does it. High Society does it. I'm sure plenty more do it. The, the way the luck works is that you're auctioning off a lot and every turn one person's deciding what the lot will be. So you flip over the top card of this like pretty big deck and it has like a number and it has a suit. And then you can choose to flip a second card if you want. And after flip, flip, flipping that second card, you can choose to flip a third card if you want. But that's where you have to stop. So you get a choice about like how big the lot's going to be, but you don't actually know what is going to come out. And so there's this really yep. fun mm -hmm. tension of, if I flip a second card and it's a spice, that's really good for me, because then I'll get two spices to add to my existing couple of spices. But if I flip a card and get a wheat, that's really good for Evan. And so it makes the choice of whether or not to flip really exciting. And the reveal is just like every, almost every time yeah. a new card is flipped, everybody has a, a comment to make. Um, mm. So I just think it really like facilitates the interaction in that game is that one person every round is choosing what we're bidding on. Um, and it, yeah. also, it also makes the evaluations fuzzy because you don't know what's going, going yeah. to come up next. You don't know what's going to be bundled with what. So it's really important uh, for the auction too so that it's not just solvable. And then my runner-up is Rhinelander. Um, which is <laughs> another Kinesia game, and it is deep cut ding. It is. Um, I think I've talked about it before, but basically the randomness comes from the fact that you have a board with a bunch of numbered spaces, like one to eighty nine, and the deck of cards is just one to eighty nine. And on your turn, you play a card and then put a token on the space that matches the number of the card, or you play the card and put a token adjacent to a token you already have irrespective of the number. But if you know that somebody really wants a space and you have that card in your hand and you don't want that space, then you want to keep that card in your hand because the moment you play it, it goes into the discard pile, which will get shuffled back into the draw pile and then it could end up in their hand. 
but you can just like mm. hold cards hostage. So like randomly, I could be holding like a really important card to you hostage, and you have no idea. You're just like hunting it. You're like, where's the thirty six? And you have no idea that I've been holding it the whole time. And it's just so fun to be the person holding that like card that somebody needs, and then like late in the game revealing it, and the person hating you for just like hogging it the whole time. <laughs> it's just it's just so fun. Um, and because it's because it's so lucky, the game can be so simple. Like the rule is literally. Play a card, put a token on a matching spot. That's it. That's all you do on your turn. Everything else is a bit mm-hmm. more complex, but your turn is just so simple because it's so lucky. Yeah. Listening to you talk about Rylander, I also think Orongo yeah. is yeah. a really good example Ding. of Dang. luck because there is so much luck in that game, but when you're in the middle of it, you do not feel it at all. Yeah, it's a really cool use of luck, right? We've talked about it before. Yeah. It's like it's like luck to seed a board in a fixed fixed end state but the way you get to that end state is random and different every time and that really dictates how you would change the way mm-hmm. you play yeah yeah that's a cool one well i think we've about covered it talked about some lucky stuff and that about wraps it up so you can always catch us here you can catch us at other podcast places you can write to us at cardboard philosophy pod at gmail.com we love to get your mail and what else we got a board game geek uh uh guild guild yes Ooh. um which I, I think you can also leave us nice little messages or things or um, mean little to each messages. other or something yeah yeah you can leave messages to other people i don't know <laughs> i think that's what that's about um anyway it's been great see you next time <laughs> play some games there it is jesus christ that's a wrap. Steve 404 and halfway through that <laughs> sentence. No, I was believing I was waiting for you to do it. <laughs> oh. I didn't want to say it.